Hey guys, it is Jordan. What is going on? We are uh, here today with my dad. We have a special guest, my pops. Woo! And we are at uh, Daytona, we're close to Daytona Beach right now. It's New Smyrna. New Smyrna Beach, New Smyrna. And uh, one, one tradition that I got from my dad, I, didn't real, I forgot that I got it from you, was every single three or four months, even when I lived in California, when I lived in Kansas City, I'd go away to a hotel, or I'd go to Joshua Tree, I'd go to the beach, I'd go get away for a couple days, and I'd just read and get some alone time. Well, my dad's been doing this since I moved back to Florida. My dad's, we've done this now twice. So we're at the beach, um, and we're just spending time. I'm right now studying the Federalist Papers, and studying the Constitution because uh, our entire community was Speak Truth Without Fear. We are about to go through starting tomorrow. We are going to be starting our uh, Constitution course. And we're going, we're going through it together. We're doing the Hillsdale College course. We're also going to be taking some classes from a couple other different um, – or a couple little clips of different other classes. And then we're going to have homework. I'm really excited. So, again, if you haven't signed up, you guys got to go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com. Click the community button and make sure that you join, or you can click the link in our bio and our Instagram. So I'm excited. That's one thing that we're going to be doing. You got to be a partner to do that, right? Yeah. You got to be a part of the fearless community. And uh, that was the first one, I believe. You were. <laughs> first partner. My dad. Yeah, well, so, yeah. And now, before it was, we had partners, but now uh, we've kind of got away with a partner platform. And now we have, a, it's basically a full-on membership community, which is, is incredible. Great. So we have classes. We got courses. I encourage you guys, if you sign up today, you get a seven-day free trial. You can be a part of the first class absolutely for free. Um, so, again, we're, we're going to go in. And the reason why is because, again, you, you can't have confidence and courage in, in standing up for what you believe in and your freedom and your rights if you don't know them. And so that's why for me, I personally, I tell my mom and my dad all the time that I, I kind of cheated my way through high school because I didn't care because I was like, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to work in music. Or I'm going to be a basketball player. I didn't care about school. And so now what I'm doing is I'm going, in, I'm going back to the books. I'm learning my history. I'm learning my rights, and I'm excited about it. So I want you guys to be a part of it. All you got to do is go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com and, um, yeah, be a part of it. So my dad, I don't know if a lot of you guys know, so my dad is a pastor. He's been a pastor. Or not, well, I guess you're minister. a minister. Yeah, I pastored evangelism yeah. for a while. So, yeah, give your story real quick. Give your story because this is my dad. So I've been involved in full-time ministry since 1986. So this is now, uh, gosh, 35 years of uh, serving the Lord full-time. And I came to know Jesus while serving in the U.S. military, the U.S. Navy, in 1981. And if you've never heard of Keith Green, check out his music. His music was way ahead of his time, very prophetic music. And it was at one of his... Uh, he passed away in 1982, even though I came to the Lord in 1981, but it was at the Keith Green Memorial Concert at the Hampton Beach Coliseum in 1982. July of 82, July 28th is when he died. A few months later, uh, his wife came to uh, Virginia and they did a memorial concert. They traveled all across America doing memorial concerts in his honor. And uh, it was at one of those memorial concerts that the Lord called me to full-time ministry. That was in 1982. Two and uh, I said yes to full time ministry. It wasn't until 1986. Well, and so you got saved in the military. 1981. In 1981. A year later. What was that experience like? I mean, were you, were you had you ever practiced church before? Never. I mean, I was a Catholic, born and raised as a Catholic, very religious. My mom, you know, had us uh, make sure that we were in church every single Sunday, but uh, it was just religion. It was no relationship with the Lord. But it was in 1981. 
had a massive encounter with the Lord. And as a result of that encounter, I gave my life to Jesus. And then uh, a year later, I got called to full-time ministry while serving in the military. 1986, I uh, was told about a uh, a man of God, a pastor that operated in miracles, and I had never seen a miracle in my life up to that point. Mm. And so I just went out of curiosity. And in that very first service in Orlando, at the Orlando Christian Center, mm-hmm. uh, Benny Hinn was preaching and ministering, and he, and he pointed at me. He says, young man, I don't know who you are, but God's calling is all over your life. And then he said, from now on, ushers, whenever this young man enters this church, you make sure that he has a seat reserved for him up front. And that to me was like favor. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you know, Benny Hinn is a very charismatic, you know, very uh, large following. And for a man of God of that influence to recognize God's call in my life for the very first time, I'd never experienced that. And I was, yeah, I was fairly new. It was about five, uh, what, five years in the Lord. And mm. then the rest is history. Was a youth pastor on staff there for nine years mm. and then started traveling full time. When you were a little boy, you would you would go to the window and you would just wave at me. You know, you cry because I traveled for five years as an evangelist, yeah. full time five years from 1995 to the year 2000, and uh, and I was gone three weeks as much as three weeks out of the month, just traveling, just preaching the gospel, and then in 2000 we started a church, and I, I made a commitment not to travel at all for the first three years of the church, and then. We pastored the church for 16 years, and then in 2005, until this time, we're doing also the House of Prayer. Yeah. So, yeah, my dad's been in ministry his whole life. I've, I was raised in it as well, so I understand, um, you know, ministry and how, how the dynamics of having a family in the process of that. And um, But as well, on top of uh, spirituality and Christianity, my dad's always been a, man, he's been a diehard conservative his, my entire life. I've, you know, he's raised us that way. He's, wor- he's raised us to work hard, um, take personal responsibility. Save, invest. Save. I mean, I, I, when I was younger, my dad would give us a, a dollar in dimes every single week. <laughs> and he would say, okay, this di- we would get 10 dimes and one dime would go that we'd give it away. We'd get, he's like, this dime is God's. It's not your dime. And this dime, it goes to short-term savings. Yeah. And then this dime goes to long-term savings. And then these seven dimes, you can do whatever you want with it. Hey, so, you got a good memory. <laughs> I do. No, that's, and, that's, and that's how I've always had this mindset of, of saving. And so, again, we are products of our, our, our environment. And that's why I always say the number one, the biggest privilege isn't white privilege. It's parent privilege. Amen. It's American privilege. And um, I take, you know, my dad's one of my best friends and I've always had that open relationship with him where I can be open and honest, even when he doesn't, he, we disagree on a lot of things at yes, the same time. Uh, but that's a part of having a father son relationship. And so, um, but we, so, I mean, you, you've always been interested in politics and it's probably where I actually get it from. Um, and there's, all, well, let's, let's first get this. What's, what's your thought on where the world is today? You have right now, like, I mean, you're talking doctors. You have physicians, you have uh, pilots, people all over the country, those that we've called heroes our entire lives. And we're at a place now, right now, where they're losing their job. Um, I mean, we're like, as at one, I mean, not even just as a Christian, just as an American. As a citizen. As a citizen. I mean, what, what's your thoughts on where we are today and where do you think this is going? Well, you know, of course, uh, like you said, this is shocking for so many of us, including myself, because... We've never been through this path before. This yeah. is the very first time, you know, I'm 60 years old. So first time in 60 years that we're beginning to see, we really began, it began with Obama, 
Um, first time we see in decades since I've been alive that we see such opposition, such almost hatred for uh, Americanism, hatred for the flag, hatred for being patriot, for nationalism. Yeah. And so it's, it's new to all of us. And we're having to actually almost learn from people who've gone before us, the patriots. Right. You know, that they've also faced tyranny. Yeah. And how do they respond? How did they react? And, and there's a balance between, you know, um, being fully, full on just nationalism. And at the same time, if you're a Christian like, like we are, uh, you know, there's a balance between, okay, what would how would faith respond in a situation like this? And how would an American respond? And so there's that balance between being patriotic, but then also being a loyal member of God's kingdom and how to respond and how to react. But it's very you, sad. Because you would say that you're a Christian first before, uh, by far. before an American. I'm a, I'm a diehard first and foremost committed to the kingdom of God. I, I serve first and foremost the kingdom of God dream before the American dream. But yeah. at the same time, if I am a full-fledged kingdom pursuer then I'm going to want to, at the same time, see America increase, multiply, and prosper, you know, for the good of America, for the good of the nation. You can't say that, um, you know, with under, in many other nations, based upon their constitution, based upon their laws in place, like under communism. Like, if I was a Christian in a communist nation, I would want my nation to improve, but I would not further the, the, the the laws and the principles of communism, but as an American, I feel like I can boldly and confidently support our constitution because it is based upon biblical principles. Right now, now, but pops, your dad, my grandpa, I mean, he was he was raised in Colombia. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, and so I mean, why did he come here, coming from Colombia? I mean, that because again. Was it for opportunity? Absolutely. I mean, Colombia is a great place, you know, but like, like any nation, because, you know, I've traveled all over the world, many, numerous nations, there's no nation like America. Yeah. Um, even though as imperfect as we are, because we are a very imperfect right. nation, but yet nonetheless, of all the nations that exist on the earth, America is the land of the free, the brave, and a nation that provides so many opportunities to immigrants, that's one of the things that makes America so great is legal immigration. Yeah. That we are open to receive people from all over the world. Right. With, regardless of race, color, regardless of religion, we're open to receiving anybody. But, you know, I believe at the same time that those who come here must be willing to further the nation rather than come to fight against the nation and replace America's principles with their ideologies, then I, you have to draw the limit there. Okay. So, all right. So then let's, let's get into Christianity and politics. Cause this is something that, I mean, I remember being told all the time, you know, Christian, you know, Christians shouldn't get involved or the church shouldn't be a part of po politics. You know, you hear the separation of the church and the state. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what is your, what is your view on pastors? Cause I mean, I, pastors or even Christians getting involved with where we are today as a country politically. Because um, Romans 13, Paul talks about, you know, if you actually read it, and I'll read like one verse, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that is which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Um, and that right there, it's like, okay, so the, is he saying, if I'm reading this in today's terms, I'm reading this that the authority that exists right now, the Biden regime, mm -hmm. 
has been established by God, um, how are we supposed to just submit to this authority, even if it's unlawful? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, authority is has been established by God. So authority in general. Mm. That doesn't mean that God establishes certain men who are in authority, that that's God's will for them to be that way. It doesn't mean that. It just means that authority has been established by God. And what, 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 what does he mean by authority? Governmental authority. So God is the author of government because even his kingdom operates yes. under government. His kingdom is yes. a government. And so, so what we have to understand, number one, is this. First of all, there is no perfect government on the face of the earth, including America. And we're not going to have a perfect government until Jesus returns and he establishes his government. And Matthew, I mean, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says that beautifully, that the government will be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. And there'll be eternal justice and peace. And so we're not going to have what we long to have, what the human heart longs to have, until Jesus comes and rule and reigns. But until then, he has given a measure of his kingdom by establishing government and you know, allowing nations to, at the same time, make their choices. For us as a nation, you know, we, we both believe that this election was stolen, number one. Right. But nonetheless, there are people that are in authority that have been empowered to steal. Mm. And so, so those who are in authority who are in, have been empowered to steal, they've been voted for, unfortunately, yeah. at one point or another. So we reap what we sow. Yeah. Unfortunately, this nation has sowed. When a nation goes as far as beginning to want to have pro this, pro this, pro that, and if those pro things are against what scripture decrees that God would not support, then we eventually, at one point or another, we're going to reap what we sow. So I don't believe that God, yes, way, yeah, Biden's president, I believe God is saying, you got what you want. Yeah. As a nation, you're getting what you have longed for. You've you've desired this kind of freedoms, and now the freedoms or these people that are in authority are now turning against you. Unfortunately, that's how I see what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you have God created man, man created society, society created government, um, the people created the states. I mean, I'm I'm learning this right now, and because I'm studying the Constitution, and it was the states that created in a contract with the federal government. Um, but it's been in our silence. The states have complied with the overreaching of the federal government. Yes. We see that today now um, just with the mandates. Like it's insane to me that the federal government is issuing these policies where companies now nationwide are, are – we basically have to give our bloodstream, our, the control of our bodies to this federal government that's never was never supposed to have that type of authority in the first place. But it's been in our silence that we have um, given this given this away, and rightfully so, if we remain silent. That's why it's something that we've been we've been pushing hard. Become a citizen journalist. Speak up. Learn your rights. That's why we're focusing in these next twelve weeks on learning our rights. Because if you don't know your rights, you have no confidence or no say or no even you don't have that courage to stand up for what you believe. And so, um, but I mean, the church has been quiet about this. Yes. The, the, the church has. Well, you know, and one reason, unfortunately, the church has been quiet is because the church has been bought at the same time. Mm. You know, the church has been silenced because, you know, uh, so many churches get government grants. So many churches get backing and finances from the government. Yep. And so, therefore, if the church, if those churches speak up, 
well then they run the risk of losing their financial support, their financial backing. And so they've muzzled us. Mm -hmm. This is why when President Trump became president, he was like, why are you allowing the government to control you? You don't need a 501c3. People, pastors don't even, don't realize this. Churches do not need a 501c3 to be considered tax exempt. It's part of the, it's, it's part of our benefits in our laws. And so, but churches believe, well, in order for them to be a bona fide tax exempt organization and in order for us to get finances from the government, you do need to be a 501c3. And so if you want support from a government uh, benefits or grants, then you have to be a 501c3. And so, you know, unfortunately, a lot of it is money, number one. Number two, you know, I don't want to get too much into this, but then you have the kind of leaders that are leading our churches. Right. And, you know, they have a liberal mindset, liberal paradigm. And so, therefore, they're not lining up primarily with the moral standards of God's word. And so, therefore, it's easier for them to kind of bend t towards you know, where the, where the government is taking you know, our nation. I would, you know, I would say a lot of pastors have an anti-Christ, you know. Absolutely, unfortunately. You know, preaching, and this is where we are. We have, and we see these leftist woke pastors and these leftist woke churches. Um, I mean, it's, but it's what's happened with our entire country, our education. We have Marxists taking over. We have Marxists taking over not just our education system, but also our political system. We have politicians in that, that are been um, voted in or I mean maybe they've been voted in who knows but they are representing the United States of America congressmen centers and they don't I mean they are full-on Marxists and we, we see this because they're getting paid because they're getting paid exactly and, yeah I mean that, this is where we're at so get all right so what are examples in scripture because a lot of people use Romans 13 as a way of saying you know what look you're supposed to just submit you're supposed to submit to any government like, it's not your place. Give to Caesar what is Caesar. Um, what are examples then in Scripture where, whether God or Christ or whoever, um, really endorsed going against the government that was in place at that time? Well, let me bring balance to Romans 13, because it says right here, even you, you already read the uh, first verse. Yep. But verse 2 says, Therefore, whoever resists the authority is resisting the ordinance of God. And those who resist will be brought, will bring judgment upon themselves. Now, why does Paul say that? Paul says, because look at verse number three. He says, for rulers, rulers are not meant to be a terror to those who do good, but to those who do evil. Mm. If you don't want to be afraid of the authority, then simply do what is good. And you'll have praise of the same. So Paul is writing about the kind of government that God establishes. So the kind of government that God establishes is a government that brings judgment on evil. That's what he's saying there. So he's saying, hey, if you should not resist go the government that actually supports good morality and justice and fairness to all people. So that's what Paul is trying to say there. The other extreme uh, that I find today is that there are many Christians that will use, will use what's happening right now as an, ex as a an excuse to be, re to be rebellious. And that's why I say, as Christians, there is that fine line, that balance between being loyal to the kingdom of God and then being loyal as a good citizen to your nation. Right. So in scripture, there are several examples where it's right to stand up and to resist. Let me give you one example. The first example is Paul himself. Even though Paul said that we should be subject to the governing authorities, Paul also was wise enough that he used the system in his favor. So, for example, when he knew that he was, he knew that uh, there was a potential, he got arrested and he was being tried before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders. And so 
uh, there was a possibility that one of the Roman rulers was going to give Paul over into their hands. But Paul was a Roman citizen. And so Paul says, you can't do that without me if, unless I appeal. So I appeal to Caesar. So Paul used the legal system in place to get his case heard, a higher authority, which was Caesar himself. In our case, that would be like the highest place would be the Supreme Court. Right. And so, number one, we use the system. That's biblical. Paul didn't just, okay, whatever you say, you know, Felix and justice, whatever you agree. Right. So we use the system, number one. We climb up the court, we climb up the governmental ladder and do what we can. Another example would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego yeah. in the book of Daniel. They were told, you know, whenever you hear the music sounding and the, you know, the, the psaltery and whatever, you must bow down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had made. And they would not, they would not bow down. And so that was a, and that was a policy, that was a law that was passed. And so they chose to resist and not surrender and not give in. There's several examples. Daniel did the same thing again. So did the apostles as well. So it is fine. I believe that as Christians, we had that fine line. I think we have every right to use the constitution, use all our rights, lawful assemblies, lawful protesting, yeah. not what we saw last year, right. you know, with all the protesting the way they did and the government did nothing. Right. You know, the police did not, well, the police tried, but they were handcuffed by their own mayors. And so we do lawful assembly. We can resist lawfully, do as much as we can because we have a constitution that allows us to do that. So it doesn't mean that we just have to say, okay, we turn over whatever you say, government. No, we have a right to speak up and to resist and not agree. Yeah. So, I mean, one, one thing that I always battle and struggle right now is, you know, you kind of look at the, what's going on in the world. We hear, you hear, you know, if you, especially if you're a Christian, you study scripture, you, one thing that's on your mind is Mark of the Beast mm -hmm. and times eschatology is Jesus returning. Um, and if that's the case, if Jesus is going to return, what's the point of even being in the fight? Because if, if it's just going to go to crap and the whole world is going to go to crap, why even fight for your freedoms? Is just like, is, is, are, we, are we trying to avoid the inevitable? Mm -hmm. um, like, I mean, what do you say to people? Because I mean, that, that again, a lot of people are scared right now. People are scared. They're fearful. I mean, what do you say to people that are, have, are having that mindset and it's causing them to even stay silent? I would say, you know, by us being proactive and wanting to better our nation, we're blessing people, all right? So for example, where there is injustice, if we just stay silent, then we're not helping those where injustice is being done, especially the poor, orphans, widows, human traffic victims, the unborn. So why is it worth it for us to be on the front lines? Why is it worth it for us to speak up? It's because we bless people. It's yeah. because we rescue people. It's because we make a difference in someone else's life. It's because we're able to take a child from the inner city that would have no hope unless someone was being, would be an advocate, a voice for them, and then that child all of a sudden gets an education, that child all of a sudden has a better life and be able, be able to provide for their family and they're not stuck in the street right. robbing people right. you know, or committing crime. And so I'd say that number one, it's worth it because it is... The, you know, the, the commandment of love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yeah. We wouldn't want our lives to be like that. And so we do our best. And number two, Jesus says, occupy until I return. That's good. Occupy. Be busy. 
do good until I return. Why? Because especially for the Christian, the Christian should have an eternal mindset. paradigm, an eternal pre uh, mindset. Exactly right. Because we will be rewarded. If I just chill and not give a, give a hoot about anybody else and just worry about my life, I'll be rewarded accordingly. So, but if I serve and if my life, if our lives become a seed, whether that may be, whether that's in the religious arena, whether that's in the political arena, like for example, I was reading today in devotions, the story of Esther and Mordecai, right. you know, and how Mordecai was really the cousin, even though, you know, something, some say that he was the uncle of Esther. He was really a cousin, an older cousin. And so when her parents passed away at a very young age, he adopted his cousin and her, uh, the cousin. And the Bible says that he served in the royal house, in the palace as a worker. Mm. He wasn't a very religious Jew, but he was a good Jew. He was, a, he was a, an honorable Jew. And the Bible talks about how he heard of a plot of two men within the government trying to overthrow, that they were planning on killing the king. And so he exposed the plot. And so what I, I say that to say that there are people even within government, whether, or the media, what you guys are doing, social media, there are people in all aspects of society that, you know, there's a teaching out there called the seven mountains, how there's seven main mountains. And it, there's people of influence within these seven mountains, economics, oh, you, have, you have entertainment, you have religion, you have government, education, so on and so on, these seven mountains. And so if we do our best in our sphere of influence, my mountain that I, God has placed me in is a religious mountain. So I need to do the best to be able to be a viable voice, a voice of reason, a voice to help people. You, what you're doing with social media, you're a voice within the social media platform. You're really, you're part of the media plat uh, mountain. You're doing your part. If everybody does their part, it makes no difference what we do. If we're in the, if we're in the uh, uh, entertainment business, if, if you're in the sporting business, if you are, you know, in the economic business, even if you are a, a cash register at McDonald's, it makes no difference. Be the best cash register person you can be and you make a difference in someone's life. So giving up our lives as a seed to help other people is huge in my in, in, That's why we are his hands and his feet. Exactly right. And we're, we're the salt of the earth, we're the, light, we're the light of the world. And if we are not actually speaking out and speaking truth uh, in times of darkness or when there's lies, uh, other people suffer because of that. Absolutely. Which is kind of what you're saying. So um, in this last part, what we'll talk about then again is, you know, I really want to talk about the eternal mindset because to me, this is a huge key for people to not sit in fear, um, kind of reminds me of the scripture where it's don't fear the one that can kill the body, but right. one that can kill destroy the body, the soul. destroy the soul. Um, and, and Paul talks about having internal mindset. Paul talks about the government uh, that is coming, the kingdom that is coming. The, I mean, Jesus talked about that. Um, so what, is the, what is, would you say is the importance of having an eternal mindset, um, especially in this time, if a lot of people believe we are living in the end times, uh, whether that's five years from now or a hundred years from now, um, I'm sure that we can debate that. But in but with keeping that perspective in mind, what how important would you say is to having a true mindset, and how how do you go about having one? Well, you know, you know, first of all, Paul Peter says in the last days. So we're in the last days. The last days have been two thousand years now, because according to God in the Word of God, one day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like one day. So nobody knows for sure exactly when, but there's no question because I, as you know, I, stu I love studying prophecy 
and uh, you know, I listen to a lot of prophetic teachers. I do believe that we are beginning to see some end time scenarios hmm, that makes me my right. my antenna pop up. Wow, we may be like I personally believe that I will see the coming of Jesus. Yeah. So because I believe that we're living in the last days, and because I believe that I will see the coming of Jesus, I believe that we get we just we primarily serve him so for as a christian what can i what you know yes we do our best on this side of eternity but what am i going to take with me to heaven nothing the only thing i can take with me to heaven are people souls yeah <laughs> you know that's only i i can take that i can't take my car i can't it's take good. my nice house i can't take you know one of these days i want to have a beach condo like this <laughs> i can't take my beach condo i can't take my whatever my resources my savings the only thing that i can take is the condition of my heart there's a parable that jesus talks about a very rich wealthy man and he builds you know he builds all this structures and he goes ah what am i going to do now i got all this money you know and i've already built all these barns i know what i'm going to do because i got nothing else to do let me destroy the barns that i have and let me build nicer ones and newer ones and then jesus says thou fool this very night thy soul will be required and then to whom will all these things belong? Yeah. So what? It, where, where are you? Where, where are you placing your value? What are you valuing priority? I'm not going to value this life. Yeah. Because this life is really what is this life? Seventy eight years. It's a vapor. Oh, it's if, a vapor. If you're lucky. If you're yeah. lucky, right? Yeah. You know. But in comparison to eternity, so here's what I say to people: What are you living for? Are you living for eternity, or are you living for the 70, 80, and maybe if you're blessed, a hundred years? I want to live. For God's kingdom, because it's a reality. I will stand before Jesus one day, and He will reward me. And He will either say, "Carlos, you cut up. Yeah. Hey, you come in, but you know what? You just barely made it by the skin of your teeth." Always, always going to say, "Well done, good and faithful servant." Right. And that's what I want to hear. So, I, you know, I just say it's, you know, I'm just committed to the Lord. I think it's very difficult for religious people to think this way. Because it's not religion that saves, it's a relationship with Christ. No, it's good. So, I mean, how do you go about that? I mean, as we're wrapping this up, how do you go about having this eternal mindset? Because it's one thing to, to just say, you know, have an eternal mindset. Right. Think, what does that, like, what what does that is, look like? What does that look like? Yeah, it's just, it's, and I go back to, it's not being religious. It's having a relationship with Christ. So give, give three practical ways. What's, what's, what is three things in your life that you've done consistently that have, have proven, I mean, because, I mean, there's multiple ways that I'm sure you can achieve the eternal mindset, mm -hmm. but what, what are three practical ways that you have found consistent be like, man, when I do this, my mind, I, I have, whether you're talking to the Holy Spirit throughout your day, what, what are some specific things that you've done that have helped produce fruit in that area? Okay, well, I, the prophet says this, he has showed you, oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, to do justice have mercy and walk humbly with your God. And I think for me personally is my dependence upon the Lord. I mean, I love you. I love your mom. I love your brothers and sisters, but I love Jesus yeah. with all of my heart. He's number one in my life. Yeah. But my love for Jesus helps me to love you good. more effectively, be a better dad. So I would say, number one, get to know Jesus. I mean, really know him intimately. Yeah. Develop that intimate relationship, number one. And then number two, say, Jesus, I'm your servant. You placed me here for a reason. Help me to be the best social media person. Help me to be the best, whatever you do in life. 
So that relationship with the Lord, going deep with him, intimacy, and then number two, walking out obedience. Just walking every single day, looking for opportunities, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's in the school system, wherever it is. For me personally, how I do that is every single day, and you know this, I have a ritual. Just like I see you every single day, you have a ritual. I have a ritual, and my ritual is every single day, I, I read the word of God every single day. I bring my music, my my you know earpad. Every morning. Every morning, I listen to my music. I worship the Lord. I read my Bible and I pray. That helps me stay stay close to the Lord. One day, the Lord says, "Carlos, do you know why I asked you to pray?" I said, "Lord, sometimes I don't understand why I need to pray every day." He goes, "Because prayer keeps you dependent on me." Mm. Think about this. If you don't pray, then you become independent of God. You become your own God. So prayer and worship keeps this heart because this heart wants to be rebellious. This heart wants to be selfish. Prayer and worship and the word of God keep me dependent upon God. And it keeps me on a track to walk in obedience. So, I mean, mean, really what you're saying is a lot of people think we're praying for God or we're worshiping for him. But really, we're actually praying and worshiping so that we can receive from him. Absolutely. It's, 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 it, prayer isn't a one-way relationship. Prayer is a two-way relationship. Because in prayer and in the word of God, primarily the word of God, I don't know what I would do without this book. Right. Prayer and the word of God, God, God speaks to us through his word. You'll know. You will know. You shouldn't speak that way to your, to your wife. Yeah. You, shouldn't, you shouldn't do this with, with your fellow employee or your worker. Ask him to forgive you. So the Holy Spirit will begin to speak and he'll use the word of God. Yeah. That's how you practically have a, I know that's a simple answer, but it really is, no, it is. It's, it's a very practical answer. If you want to have a kingdom mindset, then you have to have a kingdom, you have to have spiritual goals. Yeah. You cannot have a kingdom mindset if you don't have spiritual goals. It is impossible. Yeah. You can't serve God with your flesh. You can't serve God with just your mind. It takes your heart being impacted by the word of God, prayer, fellowship, and connecting with one another. Yeah. And then the Lord will do the rest. Yeah, no, it's, it's a simple thing. Jesus. It is always, very simple. Jesus was always so simple. And uh, yeah, no, that's so good. So, I mean, I think we'll wrap that up from here. I mean, I think one thing to remember is every major movement, whether it's spiritual, political, um, athletes, whatever, it always started with one man saying yes. Good and bad. I mean, Hitler changed the world for the bad. Um, you saw, I mean, we've seen George Washington change the world for the good. We've seen guys, I mean, what are some really good spiritual leaders that said yes to the call of God that shook the entire, Reinhard Bunke. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's so many men, with a simple yes. Martin um, Luther King. Martin Luther King. A, a simple yes that shook the rest of the, the rest of the world. And so again, I think a big part of it is one, saying the yes. Uh, but number two, again, it starts within our own community. And so, um, you know, and I always tell people right now what I'm doing for, for my reading and, and I, I'm not someone that, can read 10, 15 chapters in a day like my dad. I just can't. But I'm more like, right now I'm studying the life of Jesus and I'm studying the Gospels and I'm reading one chapter a day. And I spend about 45 minutes That's great. in that one chapter. Um, and I'm just reading the red letters because I've noticed that even in my own personal life that my relationship you know, my relationship with God in a sense has become more of like a duty. Like right, I'm just going to read chapters and I'm going to read books and I'm going to kind of hit my spiritual checklist when it's like really there, there's no relationship in that and so again you might not even be a christian watching this thing um and i or you might be an atheist you might be jewish you might be cat whatever whatever religion or however you see god i tell everyone i encourage everyone jesus is one of the outside of religion outside of even let's just even say salvation the, the words and the way that he lived his life 
He's one of the greatest men ever to walk the face he of the earth. He is the greatest man. I mean, he is the greatest. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> he is the greatest man that's ever walked the face of the earth. And so you can learn from him just, and I think through that process is where you actually end up falling in love with, falling in love with him as a God. So I encourage everyone, um, you want, real quick, my dad, he has a social media as well. He doesn't, he's not on it nearly as much, but how can people find you? They can find, I mainly do Facebook, no, Facebook Carlos Sarmiento Ohop. O-H-O-P, OHOP is our ministry, Orlando House of Prayer. But I have prayer meetings every single day, Facebook Live, Carlos Sarmiento OHOP, even though right now I'm in Facebook jail yeah. for another 18 more days. But I started a, you know, another page, so I'm doing it temporarily there. But Carlos Sarmiento OHOP, follow me there. I do have an Instagram, but I rarely ever use it. But you, you can look me up. What am I, C. Sarmo? I think so. I think I'm C. Sarmo. C. C. Sarmo. C. Sarmo. Yeah, I'm C. Also, I'm gonna, I'm, my dad's definitely going to be joining for joining us every now and then uh, for some of our Bible studies within our fearless community platform, uh, which again, don't forget, you can go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com and if you click the community button at the top, uh, you can join our community for an entire week. Um, again, we have classes, we have courses, we have community groups. We're going to be having Bible studies. We're going to be having multiple live events every single month. And starting uh, this upcoming Wednesday, which is October 20th. So if you're listening to this after the 20th, we might have already had one of our sessions already. We are starting our 12-week series, Diving into the Constitution, uh, so that we can know our rights. So again, everyone that is listening, thank you so much. We'll be back on Friday with myself and also Ross DeBoss. But until then, me and my dad are gonna be enjoying our time. Yes, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll see you later.